what is happening, all of you crazy sports card collectors. You know, the people that are taking their disposable income out of their pockets in a down hobby market and buying sports cards because you love them, you have a connection, and you feel the passion. I want to shout out my daughter who is uh, in the background helping soundtrack this episode and our unofficial sponsor today, which is Pampers. You can now get a box of 150 swaddlers in all variations, sizes, to fit your little one. Make sure you go check out Pampers. If anyone from the Pampers team is out there listening and you want to become an official sponsor of the Stacking Slabs podcast, hit me up. Stacking Slabs across all the social channels. I make myself readily available. There are plenty of parents out there who are deciding what diapers are best for their little ones. And uh, if you want to hit me up and you want to push this Pampers message to the demographic of people who not only spend their money on sports cards, but also spend their money on diapers, hit me up. Really happy about the unofficial nature of our Pampers relationship and excited about the potential of uh, solidifying that. Um, I got a new microphone. I'm not going to call out the brand because they're not an official or uh, unofficial sponsor. What I want to say is that my microphone just crapped out. It was not, uh, it was short circuiting. It was not operating when I was thinking about this. So I just got done on my work podcast. Um, Just got done with episode 200. We're coming up on 300 here. Um, This is episode 295. Um, shout out to all you uh, longtime listeners. If you're new, welcome to the party too. But I thought about that for a second. I was like, holy shit, 500 episodes with the same microphone. It's probably about time for me to get a new one. So this is the first uh, episode here in the new, new era of Stacking Slabs podcast. Hopefully you're receiving some fine audio content. And if you know a damn friend that's looking for a podcast about sports card collecting and they're done with investment chatter and all the mainstream content, um, send them my way. Had a good weekend, spent some time, a little Netflix on Friday. We started This Is Pop on Netflix, and I got to tell you, very entertained, okay? So a lot of nostalgia. The first episode was on Boys to Men, and I was always a Boys to Men guy growing up, listening to those guys, told their story. I can admit this, I'm down with Boys to Men, a little sentimental, the demographic might have been a younger female um but the the guys too man we we related to that so i i listened to their story was awesome then there was an episode on auto tune and then we we went to this episode about uh, the influence of, of sweden and the pop scene and it was great storytelling so on the other side of this i'm i'm really uh excited to dig in and probably crush the remaining five episodes and this is what we have to do during this time if you're a football fanatic slash degenerate. Yes, the All-Star game is going on today as I record this, and yeah, I'll watch it, um, but I'm feeling a void, okay? I'm feeling a void in the no dep- the depression of no football is setting in. And so what I wanted to do, we're going to talk about cards. We're going to talk about all the things, but I wanted to share with you the Stacking Slabs podcast starter kit for 
getting you through the stretch of having no football to watch every Thursday, sometimes Saturday, Sunday, and Mondays. So this is what I do. I would suggest first find a football podcast that does not suck and that you love. So it has to be a show that is informative. You leave it. Um, hopefully they have regular content and you feel smarter. You feel smarter about what's going on. You feel smarter about football. And for me, um, I've talked about this show. Um, the one that I listen to every day is the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm an athletic subscriber. I think uh, Robert Mays, he runs a lot of their episodes, does a very nice job of facilitating the right conversations at the right time around topics that are interesting. So really think you need a daily, if you, if you, if you want to get into it and get hardcore or perhaps just a really good weekly football podcast. Uh, I just told you my recommendation. Nate Tice is on there. Mike Tice's son. Um, they have a football GM podcast that is phenomenal, but that's my show of choice. I would also suggest that you follow the beat and great independent creators around the team that you follow and make sure you turn the alerts on. Okay. What I find is, and you can also make a list of those if you want, but what I find is just when I'm opening up Twitter, I just go to the alerts and just, that's my content for the day. So always understanding what is happening with your team, understanding what is the speculation, all the articles, all the things. Then I think it is very important if you're trying to get into football right now is to understand your team's salary cap situation. Find content around that specifically because that helps drive a lot of the moves and things that you'll be seeing or expecting in the coming months. Next, I would just dig into the draft. Uh, Dane Brugler is an athletic guy, but he puts out the beast, which is the most extensive draft report every year. It's insane. But just start understanding the prospects, understanding the gaps on your team, understanding which types of guys would fit the systems that your teams are planning on running and start making a list as a fan. You make this list of guys who you're scouting alongside your team is scouting. And then when you're watching the draft and you see which direction you go, it gives you an invested interest, right? Because you begin to become a um, next level football fan by watching the YouTube highlights, taking your own notes. And then so when your team is picking, then you have a vested interest on kind of who comes your way. I think it's tuning in and following the the draft combine, definitely. Um, fortunate that's happening here in Indianapolis very soon. That's a benefit of living so close is that I can walk down the street and literally run into GMs and NFL coaches. Um, that happens every year. I've seen John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Jerry Jones, just right around the corner from where I live. And I like to drink that in. I, I really enjoy that. It's fun. I know where everyone goes out to eat. Um, I know where all the conversations happen. And a lot of news comes out of Indianapolis, which is awesome. It's just so fun that my connection with football gets amplified here very, very soon. I also enjoy how they've opened it up to the public. So it used to be very isolated and secluded, but in the last year, post-COVID, they've opened up the opportunity for fans to go in and watch the workouts. So 
if I haven't looked into it, but if this remains true, I will be going to Lucas Oil for the quarterback day so I can watch our future quarterback throw some balls around, do some drills, and do their thing. Also, free agency, right? You want to know who's available, who's not available, um, who your team potentially could want, who you might be losing because of contracts. Investing time energy into free agency is fun. On the other side of that, you got OTAs, then you got training camp, and then all of a sudden the season starts. So I view the NFL as a year-round thing, and I am following the Colts right now closer probably than I ever have before, just based on the nature of where the organization is. Uh, new coach Shane Steichen, thrilled. Jeez, I mean, what this guy's done. Worked with Philip Rivers, then Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts the season he had. Seems like the right guy for the job. So really excited that we got a new coach in, and now it is time to grab a quarterback. But that's my starter kit. Hopefully you get some ideas that if you want to stay connected to the game of football, you can do that. Spent last night, uh, I was at a, a church in a cemetery with friends watching an ambient music performance. I like to go a little left to center when it comes to music sometimes. Um, shout out Past Inside the Present, which is a local label that is becoming national ambient uh, music label. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, my had some sickness in the house, so left that early, got home, ended up watching Elimination Chamber. We are on the road to WrestleMania. Fired up. Cody, Roman, Sami Zayn, just insane um, reactions from Montreal, and he's just been such a superstar. But I love what's happening with the WWE now. It's WrestleMania season. So fired up. Um, WWE Immaculate is getting ripped. It's on eBay. There's been some cool cards pulled. I, I just love seeing new WWE cards in Panini form on the regular. It connects me deeper with a segment of the hobby that I really, really love. So Shout out to everyone who is a wrestling card degenerate like me. Shout out to everyone who is exploring wrestling cards. And if you're excited about WrestleMania, then welcome to the party. I'm freaking jacked for that. I will not be going to WrestleMania this year in LA, although I am considering SummerSlam in Detroit, Ford Field. Still trying to work out those things, but I need to get to a live wrestling show soon because it's one of those things. If I don't do it after an extended period, I just get more hungry. I want to thank Chris, Chris Hoge, as they know him on the hobby streets from the card ladder team. Really enjoyed the conversation around Mahomes, Hertz, that perspective. I think I loved his thoughts on just the many components that impact collectability and value and how it's not linear and how your on-the-field accomplishments right now don't necessarily translate to your value. I think we all, as collectors, need to understand how these cycles work. And the more we're involved and the more experience that we have in the hobby, the better knowledge and insights we have on when, how, where we should buy cards, especially if they connect back to a bigger picture in the collection that we are building I think it's always safer to buy cards that you love because they help contribute to the collection that you're building. Fired up, I have Chad at the Couchman Sports Cards on the podcast. He's been a longtime hobby pal, having him on the podcast for the first time. Part of what I'm going to talk about in this episode is just the 
kind of fifty to three hundred dollar range of cards. I put something out there this week that got a huge reaction, and Chad messaged me when I put it out there. He said, "I can count on I can count on the my hand the number of times in my life that I spent more than five hundred dollars on a single card." Uh, $500 to $300 range is an absolute paradise of possibility. And I love that perspective because I think about Chad and his collection. He's got so many awesome cards that I admire and love. And just the fact that he is not someone who's out there spending thousands on thousands at a time. I think this episode is going to be really, really fun. And I'm going to learn something. And I hope you do too. So be on the lookout for that episode. It will drop this Friday. And so let's just get into it. Again, if you've got a little one out there and you're looking for them to be as comfortable as possible, check out Pampers, Swaddlers. We're in fours over here. We're having fun. Just changed one, as a matter of fact, before I got I got up here. Um, multi-talented, you know, changing diapers, also recording podcasts about collecting sports cards and a bunch of other things. Um, so appreciate you listening. And can I ask you to do something? I know I ask you to tell a damn friend, but I haven't asked anyone to do this in a while. But if you would, and you're a loyal listener of this pod, appreciate it. Hit that five stars, write a review, tell the community how I am doing. I posted something to my IG story that got a reaction that was almost as big as Sami Zayn in Montreal. It was one of the strongest responses that I've received since being back in the hobby. I was taken aback. I was I was floored. I was reeling. I was being like I was thinking to myself, how in the heck have I not touched this topic before? You know, we're coming up on 300 episodes, episode 295 now. We've talked about a lot of different things on the show, but one thing I haven't talked about is this range of collecting that I spend a lot of time in. So my post was I really enjoy buying cards in the 550 to $300 range. There's a ton of in this zone that add to many collections I'm building. Support player PCs and can be the catalyst of new lanes I'm collecting. These cards are considered low-end or cheap by the mainstream. Who cares? Double down on the areas where you can collect and achieve maximum happiness. So we're just going to finish this episode out by just breaking this down a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about what I mean, where I came from, and hopefully this can help share some perspective with you about how other collectors in the community are thinking about building collections and buying cards at a price point that is not going to put you over the skis and at a price point that is going to make you freaking happy. And we all know happiness helps drive hobby activity. If you're a happy collector in this hobby, what are you going to do? Chances are you're going to probably spend more time in the hobby, you're going to spend more money, and you're going to just spend more energy. So that's what we want to do. That's what we want to talk about. So breaking this down, I've told a lot of other collectors that I was having more fun this year in the hobby than I have ever had before. And I mean that. And I'm trying to think about all the different things that possibly can contribute to this. And I think one thing certainly is experience. The more you're building your collection, you gain experience and you understand the direction that you want to go with it the more fun you're going to have. I think another part of this is just understanding price points that you're comfortable with based on the collection that you're building. I think in reflecting on this, from my end, a big part has been filled with collecting cards in this $50 to $300 range. 
I want to say this too. I want to make sure I state this because I think this is really important. And this is a disclaimer. And by no means am I anti-big cards or spending big money on cards. But I think there's a lot of things that go into the decision of buying these more, more expensive cards that no one ever talks about because someone's always pushing these cards on somebody else. But a couple call-outs here. I think there's a tremendous amount of risk when you buy something you need at the wrong time, and it could cost you thousands of dollars if you're playing on that thousand, two thousand dollars and up range. I think anyone who bought almost anything in the high end range, and I think it's also important to call out like people consider low end, mid mid end, and high end different things. What's really important to that is it. We need to adjust our definitions based on our own financial situation. Don't let anyone else tell you what's high end, what's mid end, what's low end, because their definition is different than yours. And that's really important to call out. So for me, a high end card is a $3,000 to $5,000 card. Like that's really high end because I am going to have to think and make moves and adjust to buying something like that. I'm going to have to think about things differently. I'm going to have to make moves. But somebody... The mainstream might say, oh, 5,000, that's a, that's a mid to low end card or something like that. I don't know, which is crazy because it's not to me. So I think that's really important. We need to think about our own financial situations when we're thinking about the different bands that cards fall in. I think anyone who bought anything in the higher end range or higher end range to you in 2021 is likely seen some sort of decline, Okay. So this shows up as people are trying to get out of some cards now. I think we want to talk about an example specifically, an example that maybe validates some of what was said on the conversation last week with Chris. Look at the 27 Patrick Mahomes NTRPA out of 99, a BGS 9.5. I've been on record, and I'm going to say, here's another disclaimer to the disclaimer. I've been on record saying that I think uh, National Treasures is the most overrated card in the hobby. It's a personal bias, but I don't think the cards look good. They're not appealing to me. I think it's a hype machine. It's pushed. I just think there's better options, especially if you're spending thousands of dollars. And if you're an NT truther and apologist, then we can agree to disagree, but I just think they're overrated. So on 3621, the Patrick Mahomes 27 NT RPA out of 99 BGS 95 sold for $297,000. This is coming off the Super Bowl loss, okay? $297,000 coming off of the Brady loss. Okay, so then last Thursday, February 16th, 2023. Let me make sure I have this right real quick. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I wanna, if I'm, if I'm talking about data, I wanna make sure I've got this straight because um, I have something down in my notes that is just want to make sure I have the stream. So I'm, I'm going to card ladder right now. This is in real time. This is what I thought. So it did February 16th, 2023. I had 2022 in my notes, but thought it was 2023 and just needed to get validated. Coming off of the Super Bowl win, this card sold for $57,000. Okay. So we went from nearly 300 after a Super Bowl loss to now at 57. What's up with that? I mean, I think we could probably spend the rest of the episode talking about this, but I think what it says is that there's a percentage of people listening to the show who, in general, 
very few can afford like to spend money, that type of money on that card at 300, let alone 57. I think two, another bucket is that people who actually thought it was a good idea to spend $300 on a card that has 99 fucking copies of it. It's very small people that are actually going to spend $300 or $300,000 on a card with 99 copies and think that is going to sustain. That's insanity to me, but whatever. I think this might be an extreme example, but helps to tell a story. Think high-end or perceived high-end, put it in quotes, baby, quote that up. High-end to the community, high-end to the mainstream. So you got high-end plus pump by mainstream plus multiple copies. And when I'm talking multiple copies, I'm talking like 99 is a shit ton of copies. That is a lot of cards. That's a bad, that is a bad buy, okay? So if I'm spending a thousand plus on a card, I wanna make sure it's something that I don't even think about shipping out of my collection and it has the traits for long-term sustainability, okay? So Mike, when I'm consolidating and when I'm selling cards, I'm usually not selling the cards that I'm spending a thousand plus on. Those cards are like in my case and I, it, that to me, that is an accomplishment that I could get to a point where I'm spending a thousand plus on a card. So I usually don't move those cards and if it ever have moved those cards, but I'm consolidating and it's bulk. I'm selling a lot of 50 to $300 cards. I think let's get out of the mainstream high end and talk about this range that I want to talk that I was mentioning 50 to 300. I had someone and I apologize if you're listening, um, appreciate your, the way you frame this up, but called it the collecting zone. It is the collecting zone because there's less risk. If I buy something for $200 and end up selling it for 125 or 150, I don't care. I got the utility value there and I spent time enjoying that card. I think that range, 50 to 300, allows us to experiment in new lanes without major repercussions or consequences. Like we don't have to worry about spending $300,000 on a card and then, you know, two years later it's at 57. That type of shit gets you in trouble. (laughs) That'll get you in trouble. But you're not going to get in trouble if you're in the 50 to $300 range having fun. That feeling like in the based on the response I got, this is what it feels like this is what cards should cost. Okay. I think cards are about connection and it should be cards that you connect with and not what others want you to connect with. And I think there are so many damn awesome cards that fall in this range. And that's why this past Saturday I started a thread and hashtag sub 100 Saturday. And what I wanted to do is just give people an example of, hey, here's the last card I bought for under $100. It was a Rey Mysterio Black Five Timers Club out of 10. I spent 60 bucks on this because I'm building out a set. And it's awesome. Rey Mysterio represents his cruiserweight, five cruiserweight titles. Don't have a Rey Mysterio card in my PC. Connects to a set. It's just for 60 bucks. Hell yeah. I'm, I was fired up about it. But I had almost 100 people like share their cards. And I reposted all of them. And it was incredible to see all these amazing cards that fit in this like $100 range. Wild. Austin, former guest of the show, Carlson Cards, uh, he sent a message. And I'm going to shout out Austin. I know you're probably listening. Appreciate it. Uh, but I'm going sh- to read your DMs to the public here. But he said, I see people at shows sometimes and they know me from here, meaning Instagram. And they immediately assume that the patents we collect are thousands. Always super surprised when I tell them that the vast majority of cards in my pages, even golds, are right in the $50 to $300 range. And that's powerful. Some people just don't realize and don't know because they're focused in on what the mainstream is trying to tell them. 
Dig in, open your eyes, go buy the cards you want to explore what makes you feel good. That's why I want to build some momentum about this. So sub 100 Saturdays, let's keep it going. If you have cards, you want to post them and they're a hundred bucks and we want to celebrate them. Let's do that. We have, should all have learned something from the, the hobby boom and bust. If we, you are stretching yourself too thin and cards you're buying are expensive to you it's a gamble. It's a gamble that you're hoping that they reach that range. I think I, just some feedback. Be first to the cards and sets you connect with and love. Collecting cards because of the product is a fun thing to do. And I've been doing a lot of that. I love certain cards. I love certain sets. I love certain products. And it allows you to collect many different players. And whether it's I've been doing it with wrestling, I'm exploring doing it in football. I think you reach this mode where it's more about the cards and the traits than the actual player itself because it makes you feel something. I think this is very powerful. I think the final thing I want to do is just give you an example. And trust me, I would say a majority of the cards that I end up consolidating with and I, I sell, I've lost money on. It's just the nature of the beast and it's what happens. But what I can tell you is you hit sometimes too based on instinct, intuition, and fandom. This is what happens in the example is my 2014, the Rock Tops Chrome Gold Refractor out of 50, PSA 9. I bought this card when no one was talking about these cards because I loved it. It looked cool. He's putting freaking John Cena in a sharpshooter. I love gold refractors. I love the rock. And I bought it, this card and I spent 750 bucks on eBay on it. And I looked the last sale via card liar. I know there's been some raw sales here and there, but the last PSA 9 sale was... Um, this time last year, 331.22 for 6,600 bucks. And so that's a win, right? So that's when like you can actually go buy cards that no one else is talking about because you love them and they can't appreciate over time. It's But you have to be patient. That rock card and the jump might be an extreme case, but I illustrate it because it can happen. And so what I just want to leave you all with is just if cards are cheap to the mainstream, but you love them and you see the potential and you have a connection, don't worry about the price or the perceived price. Go nuts at that area. Double down, continue to do it. That's when the hobby grows. That's when we have fun. And please, if you're doing it, you're buying cool cards, share it on your page and share it with the community. The more people sharing this type of stuff and the less people sharing stuff, about recycled cards on the same platform selling over and over again, the more interesting and the more sustainable this hobby gets. That's how you grow the hobby. It's not this bullshit that gets pushed on us. It's about organic passion. It's about connection. It's about sharing with others. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you tune in Friday. Chad, we're going to be talking more and more about this. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More stacking slabs coming at you soon. 